Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. When you break it down and really look at it, nearly all our attempts to love others are action-based. They are things we do. One of the best-selling self-help books of all time is The Five Love Languages, and it cites words of affirmation, receiving gifts, quality time, physical touch, and acts of service. But all of those are acts. They're things we do. And yet, where we feel the most love from people is not in any act, generally, but in connecting with them. Being love, in essence, not doing love. This is part three on the message from Humble the Poet and his new book, How to Be Loved, which you can find anywhere and you can connect with Humble at humblethepoet.com, anywhere, social media, whatever. Today I'm talking about Humble and his message with, again, my brother, Jared Angaza. I just keep having guests that are right in Jared's wheelhouse of experience. So I brought him back on. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about Jared and his insight. And as you hear me mention in the show, he's the brand and culture architect behind my new look, which you can see at kevinmiller.co. But you can connect with Jared at Jared, J-A-R-E-D, on Gaza, just like it sounds, A-N-G-A-Z-A.com. Well, here we also take aim in this episode at the idea of you not being able to love others beyond the extent to which you can love yourself. Okay, we hear that a lot. And what we came to is, well, you can loathe yourself and still do a lot of loving. I mean, you can do a lot of acts of love, but it's pretty impossible to be the love that other people need if you can't be the love you need for yourself. And it's a really big distinction. So you'll hear us really dig into that. And what this episode will do is help you see why so many of your efforts to love others don't end up being the love they really need. And you're killing yourself for nothing often. You can make a shift and quit wearing yourself out and finally connect in a way that matters to you and those you love. If you find value from this self-helpful podcast, be great if you left a rating or review for us wherever you listen to your shows. Best thing you can do, just talk about what you heard here with someone else. That's what will help it take root in you and broaden the discussion and benefit you and again, those you love. You can always connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, my brother, Jared Angaza, and I discuss Humble the Poet and his message in his new book, How to Be Loved. Jared, I appreciate after listening to the show that I get this voice text from you going, so I'm curious how you found this guy <laughs> a little <laughs> off the beaten path. And, yeah. uh, I do, I, I like that. I, I feel like I get going after these self-help talk topics. The primary books that come along are so often from, you know, the Ivy league towers. It's those people doing the research on it. And, uh, I really appreciate that. And yet here he is with no real accreditation which I appreciate because I don't have any either. Neither do you, uh, no. not nothing official. And, yeah. and yet he's got this big following, which that, as you know, in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean a lot. It doesn't make, I, I'm inter- curious these days, 
you know, everybody's an influencer. I think, well, they're not all influencing folks for good, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. But he was, I agree. he, but, but I checked him out. So, you know, his agency contacts me and I'm looking at the guy and looking at his stuff and I just kept getting drawn further and further in. And then they sent me the book and I got in I think, son of a gun, man, this stuff resonates. And I thought it would with you as well. It did yeah. uh, on many levels. And uh, as, as you obviously know, which is why I'm here talking to you about this, uh, you know, the subject of love is just constant uh, in my world. And I, I thought about my, you know, our family motto, the kiddos is just be love. Um, and that's been sort of the guiding principle yeah, for a long time, but certainly since I had children, you know, and that changed everything. And, uh, and, and I think more than anything, just made me more deliberate and intentional about everything that I do and every way that I show up, you know, recognizing it's going to be mirrored to some degree in my children. Um, and what, what might I tell them that would be the guiding principle of our family, you know, and it ended up being just be love. Uh, well, if you be in love and you know, that that's, it kind of covers a lot of ground. It covers a lot of ground. Well, it was one of the shows that we recently did. It was on Peter Mutabazi yeah. that you and I talked on. And mm -hmm. in the show, I was with a group. So I was with an online group of people. We were talking and one of the guys uh, there, he's a lawyer. And he says, man, Kevin, I was listening to that show you did with your brother on Peter. And he says, uh, your brother, one line stood out and it was him telling his kids, cause we're talking about self-worth. So it was you telling you about your kids and saying, you guys are going to go out into the world. You're going to have successes. You're going to have failures. Neither of which are your self-worth. I think you said it more eloquently, but they do not make up your self-worth. Yeah. Which I loved, not, not your failures or your successes, because that's what we tend to wrap ourselves around, one or the other or both, whatever. And you said, those are not your self-worth. And the guy said, it leveled me. He says, I stopped the podcast and I called my adult kids and said, I'm sorry. Uh, because he said, I just didn't, you know, he didn't know he wasn't ragging on himself. He, he, and of course, as he's telling me this, he's in tears and he says, but I just didn't know I raised them in a performance perspective, you know, applauded their performance. Yay for your mm. grades. Yay for your winning the race. Yay for your whatever. Yay for getting the job. Uh, of course, which is not bad, but it does put the impetus on that, you know, performance. So back here to just be love talking with humble, obviously got me breaking down what is love? That's his first chapter, first part. What is love? And me looking at it and going, gosh, I, I have, I've not, and I don't want to be negative, but I've not always done it. Well, I mean, I have, I have suffered. And that's of course a big part of his book by a romanticized view of love, uh, my own role within it, which I think you can relate to. I'll ask you even in relationships that I tend to go in and I want to be the hero. I want to fix everything, do everything I want. And that was a way of love, an action based way of love that didn't always work out so well. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'll I, just lob that to you. Yeah. 
Well, I think socially we tend to to view love as being founded in some sort of action. Yeah. Um, you know, as I was just pointing to before with with our family motto, just be love. It wasn't just do love. Hmm. <laughs> it's just be love. And, hmm. you know, and there's a lot of that discussion that comes down to and, and what what Humboldt talked about a lot is that it it comes down to first loving yourself you know and that's not necessarily new territory we we we've heard a lot about that over the years however we, we don't do it but we've heard it well yeah. i know i mean it, it's been fairly it's not new information so much as it has been a newer journey for me eating uh, vegetables is not new information but yeah here in america we don't do it much no um so i definitely well, the idea of, or the, the concept that, I don't remember where I heard this, but somewhere along the lines of, uh, uh, that came across my, my world of recognizing that our capacity to love ourselves or, or our capacity to love others is sort of equal to our capacity to love ourselves. And I thought, oh my, I'm doing that wrong. <laughs> if that's the case, then how would I love anyone well? Because I certainly wasn't loving myself well. Um, you know, and Humboldt talked a lot about that, you mm -hmm. know, and and uh even in the podcast. And I man, I I, I had no idea. I, I felt kind of stupid at the time of, of having that revelation and thinking, like, how did I not know that? How did that not come up before? Um and then just recognizing that so much of my concept of love has been in the past has been on performance, much like what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, it was on, you know, can I serve well enough? And, you know, and coming from some of the Christian, you know, hardcore kind of background that we came from the more dogmatic side of things. Um, it was, you know, it was it was so performance based of, of am I going to be enough? Am I going to do enough? Am I going to serve enough? And frankly, you know, am I going to martyr myself well enough? I, you got and you're, you're earning it. It's points yeah. in heaven and rewards in heaven and rewards in heaven. Yeah, we grew up with that. We language. grew up with that. Well, it's, it's in the Bible. Now, I don't think I don't know that it's wrong. I think we just I don't know that we understand what that means. And. I'll put that in the mystery box. Lots of room for interpretation. <laughs> exactly. But the interpretation that we were given in church yeah. is that you earn your God's watching, uh, and you're, he's got, a, he's got, a, you're being surveyed, yeah. uh, surveillance teams on, you're being watched. And, uh, yeah, I used to be up at night about that stuff, man. Just thinking like, have I prayed enough today? Have I been good enough today? It's no, uh, you know, it's no surprise, really, that socially across much of the world and definitely point to America on this mm -hmm. one, um, Western culture, maybe in general, that there is this struggle with what we talked about before on, on the other podcast with Peter, um, the the enoughness scenario, you know, and, and I, I heard in, in the other podcast with humble where he talked about enoughness. I thought, Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> there's a, there's a, a, a theme. It, it, it came on. That's what you and I ended up talking about on that 
show about Peter Mutabazi was uh-huh. enoughness and worth. And then mere what, two weeks later, I'm talking with humble. And again, that's why I wanted you to do this with me. Uh, we're yeah. talking about the same, they're talking about the same thing. Uh, yeah. Well, I think when you get into the conversation of love in, in today's society, enoughness is going to come up Yeah. because we, we have this, um, based love discussion going on. I actually, I, I cut a quote here that I wrote down just so I to remember it. Um, it was actually, it's actually from a great friend of mine. He, um, we met on an airplane, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. I was on the way back from Rwanda and we had a, a conversation that changed both of us forever and really had a big effect on the trajectory of our lives. Anyway, he's a great guy. Uh, and he's an author as well. He wrote in something that I think it was in his newsletter, and I just copied it out a while ago. But he says, "Loving yourself is the source of all love." Um, and I thought, "Wow!" I mean, that speaks to our interconnectedness. It also speaks to um, the importance. Well, it, it kind of making relevant what I just said earlier in that you know our capacity to love ourselves has you know affects our capacity to love others, um, and I. And there's just a concept that we didn't grow up with. Um, again, I think the opposite of that thought, that sentiment is um, it, it's, yeah, it's connected to that. It, it, it's uh, the, or the opposite of that, I guess, is just that performance based scenario. And we don't feel like we have, or we feel that we have to earn something. We have to feel like we have to be enough to get, into heaven or to get the love of our spouse or to get the love of society or for, you know, to be worthy of X, whatever it is. It's just, it's we so do have to pull out here as we're brothers talking and our parents are probably going to listen to this. Sorry, <laughs> mom and dad. No, that uh, wasn't even them. I mean, they were doing the best they well, could just like we are, <laughs> but I think, but I would say just like my, the guy that I, I mentioned and, and again, and my, I didn't pull it myself. I did this as well. How do you not? It wasn't a, it's kind of that attachment thing. It reminded me of that. The attach, I think I've said this on the show before, but little kid comes running in and has a banged up knee bleeding, you know, your little kid and they come in. And so I, in, in love, I mean, I care about them dramatically and I go, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I grab a paper towel and I wipe up the blood and let's get a band aid and some neosporin or whatever, you know, uh, triple antibiotic ointment. We're going to put that on that. It'll help the pain, whatever. And I'm just taking care of it. And then, and then Terry, my wife reads this thing. She goes, huh? So I'm reading about attachment. And it says that the best thing that you can do for attachment is when the kid comes in is just embrace them and hold them and hug them and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. And be, yes. be not do back to your thing, not be love or not do love, but be love. And I go, well, crap. I didn't. And so I changed it. 180, hundred. I mean, literally, yeah. you know, the next day kid comes in, I wrap them up like that. And I'm sitting there thinking their, their legs just bleeding all over the place, but okay, whatever I'll do it. And Oh my gosh. It, the recovery time was so much quicker. They usually just turn around and ran without the bandaid. We probably saved a thousand dollars on bandaids since then. Cause they just don't care. <laughs> and I'm going, Holy crap. And, and it really disappointed me. Just, I didn't know my love did yeah. not change. It, I yeah. didn't all of a sudden love them, uh, more, but I was well back to your thing. I was being love instead of it was doing response to yeah, what was, it was my response. And so I say that to say, you know, for our, from this guy who testified, you know, said he apologized to his kids for being more performance based. I, mean, I think our mom, our mom and dad did. 
um, just like I did for the majority of my kids. I mean, it's only been in later years where I'm trying to reframe and go, oh, rock on for winning the race going, ooh, and I really appreciate your effort, you know, uh, trying to not make it. Well, what we talked about with when the, that uh, discussion about Peter was, yeah. it was that it was about, you know, what I've been doing with my kids is saying, I'm really happy or uh, rather than saying, you know, congratulations for winning or doing yeah. well to some degree, whatever. And saying, I'm really grateful that that made you so happy. I'm oh, grateful that's right. that yeah, you that's felt good. so happy about that, that it was such a good experience for you. Yeah. Because I, I feel like what we're programming then, and we are always programming when it's our kids like that, um, is that they, the, the thing that they're, that they're going after is not the win so much as enjoying the journey. I'm grateful yeah. that you enjoyed that journey. That sounds great. Uh, whatever it is, no matter what or not you won or not. Uh, and I, and again, I think that has an impact on our sense of enoughness. Do I feel like enough? Do I feel like I have to earn, earn anything? And I, I do. I mean, I say that a lot, like the actual words to my kids, just in case all the other implications aren't working. I have actually said the words of you're enough. Like you never have to. Isn't it so great? I've actually stopped just randomly and said stuff like this to like to my kids, especially Sersha, my eldest 10 at 10 years old and said, isn't it wonderful that you never have to do anything to be enough? Huh. You were born that way. You're, you're enough. Always anything you do is just about you having your own journey. And I hope that along the way that you, you prioritize happiness on your journey and recognize that your happiness and your joy and your light so affects those around you. My own personal motto, I think you and I have talked about this is, you know, that I, or my vision, I guess, is that I want to want my light to shine so bright it liberates the light in others. And I think that that's an extension of that conversation. Um, I, I got a question for you. I actually have, as you're sitting here talking, we're, we're going to be pressed for time. So I got three questions for you or three issues to grapple with, with you. Okay. Hmm. One of them is right along those lines. And I brought it up the other day with this group of people I was talking with. And it was that, that you're enough. You're not about your achievements. It's not all your successes or whatever. <clears throat> and it was the tension of that. Okay. So that's, that's what I want to embrace personally. And yet, uh, here I'll, I'll brag on you. So you're a, I think, you know, to me, you're the culture architect, uh, the brand architect positioning, whatever, which folks, yeah, shameless plug, go to kevinmiller.co and I've got a whole new look, whole new branding, whole new, uh, whatever that my brother, Jared on did to encompass what I do here on this podcast, and also it will soon encompass my book uh, that's coming out this next summer. And you did that. And of course, what we're doing is pulling out what? My performances, right? I mean, you're the one that really helped me bring in what I never talked about that I was a pro athlete. I, I, I was because I it just it's not that big a deal to me. It's just what I did. And, and you're going, no, that's that's credibility. So we're playing the game here, which, by the way, if somebody looks at the stuff and wants to talk to you, go to Jared A.N.G.A.Z.A. If you want him to make you look like a million bucks like me, but still try to not make it look like an ego fest. Go 
work with Jared. So you, you just did that. You architect that for me, but that was part of my struggle. You know, it of go, I don't want to sit there and make it just all about me, but for the well, sake the of that. Of day, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll address that at the end of the day, people are, you know, they're showing up to listen to your podcast largely because of you, you know, they, they're, they're thinking, wow, this, this guy does a great job of asking thoughtful questions and engaging with, uh, thoughtful people and, and having a meaningful conversation and so on. So what we're, you know, what we're looking at when, when I, when I'm building a brand, a brand identity and building, you know, and then there's a website that kind of, you know, showcases that, but there's an identity that's, that we worked on, you know, for, for a while before it showed up on a website. The idea is to say, look, sure. Kevin was a, a professional athlete and so on. That's not the point. It gives a little bit of a framework. It's good storytelling, but it's not about the accomplishment. And we didn't talk that much about your accomplishments so much as we talked about the framework of your life. That's, that's okay. again, that's the framework for the story. Okay, so context of who you want to be in relationship with someone. Okay, go ahead. Sure. But I, I could find a, a similar thread in motivation in you and 10 other people that had different journeys and different paths that weren't pro athletes that didn't do any of that stuff, but your motivation is similar. Yeah. Um, you know, when we we're, I'm, I'm blessed to have a pretty eclectic group of friends, none of them do what I do. I don't have like a bunch of branding marketing friends. I have a few marketers, I guess that, that are friends, but most of them do very different things, but we have similar motivations in life. Okay. You know, our kids are our priorities. Our, you know, our family is a priority. Um, showing up and being a light and being love is a priority. Those kind of things are consistent. What what I hope we've done with your brand and are continuing to do uh, is to convey what matters to you. What is the essence of Kevin Miller? What is what is it that Kevin cares about? What is what are you motivated by to get to the essence of your book? Right. You know what what is it that motivates you? What drives you? What is the, what are the things that are driving you to show up the way that you show up? That's what I as as a brand architect want to to extract from um, whomever I'm working with. Yeah. Is to say, like, can I pull out the threads of what matters to this person? Because I'm going to resonate as an audience member, you know, from listening to the podcast or reading the book or whatever, with whatever it is that that matters to you. Uh, you know, what drives you? Honestly, again, plug your book there, but and you're a ma- and you're a master at doing that, which is why. I mean, why you did it? Well, why I paid you? You're my brother. Right. I still had to pay him, guys. So he he does have to be paid. <laughs> so you're a master at that. So now take it back to the yeah. kids, though, in this aspect of not being performance based, not just applauding them and ourselves for our achievements. And yet, obviously, there's merit to achieving something. I do. I've thought about that more and more lately. I've actually been thinking about it in terms of my next book, of the value of having mastery in something. The, you know, the, and, and literally I'm going to, I'm thinking about doing that for our next book of looking at everybody that we know, call them influencers, leaders, and you know, whatever they have had an area that they invested in kind of Malcolm Gladwell's outliers. They put their 10,000 hours in whatever, and they have, yeah. they have a level of mastery in that. I do want my kids to do that, not to be about the, achieve- so there's the tension of not that that's your, I guess, self-identity. But I do want you to achieve some things. I want you to master some things. I think there's joy. It's where you, 
we had this discussion yesterday with the same group of people where you experience flow, I think best is in that area that you have mastery. I want them to find that thing yeah, and have mastery. But I guess that's the balance then is it okay, but that's not you. You're not you're back to cycling, man. That's an elitist sport and you're only as good as your last result. And it is your image. I, that's kind of burnt me out on it. Uh, your image. So I did it. I embraced the achievement. That was my identity. I guess that's where we go wrong. So what we're talking about here is, is a, a modality, you know, it, yeah. it's saying that, you know, Michael Jordan was basketball, you know, and, and well, and he had his own struggles. If you follow his story or whatever with, with his own identity being wrapped up and all that, mm. um, I, I won't go into that story specifically to, I don't want to uh, keep our eye on the ball here, but um, the, for instance, with my children, I have, I have, well, four children, one's grown and out of the house and then three, three littles at the house. Um, the, all of them are going to have presumably different career paths. Um, you know, Taya may show up as the next, you know, soccer champion or whatever female soccer champion. And, um, you know, Zion may be climbing mountains somewhere and, Sarah may be a, an author or a poet or something. If I were just to guess, <laughs> just knowing some of their personalities and so on, but they, you know, they are likely to have different career paths, different journeys, different life experiences. But I hope that someone could, uh, from the outside, could look at all of them and say they all have similar motivation to show up in the way that they show up in the world um, to just be love and that they show up in a certain way. Uh, what happens so often, I think, again, specifically more even in Western culture, because it's sort of antithetical to a lot of Eastern culture, but um, in, in Western culture, we often are showing up identified, you know, with our identity rooted in whatever it is we do. You know, what, that's what we do. You know, we go to a party, we ask, what do you do? You know, um, I, I, you know, I, I, a lot of times I'll say, what's your story when I'm at some sort of dinner party situation, which isn't very often with me, but, um, if I don't know someone and I'm in a situation like that in the same space, I'll say, Hey, what's your story? I'm not looking necessarily to what they do. Yeah. And that often will prompt them to think a little bit differently in their answer. And like, and not just going like, wait a minute, I was going to say the career thing, which is what I always do. But what would I say when someone asks what my story is? Maybe I'll think about something different. Maybe something else pops up and is more important to me in this moment. Huh. You know, so I, I'm, I'm looking to prod, you know, in that way. The problem I think is that we get attached we find our identity in what we do rather than who we are and what we're be, how we're showing up in the world. And I, I say showing up in the world as sort of like the being part. That's what, that's how we're being. I, you say that a lot. And I like that. How am I showing up? Because it, it makes me think of a social event or whatever. I'm going there. I am going to dress a certain way. I may even have a certain demeanor that's going to be different in one. Like I'm going to go to a kid's event, you know, school event thing tonight. And I'm going to go there and I'm going to show up as a parent who's trying to stay as anonymous as possible and, and not chit chat with a lot of people. And I'm going to go do a, you know, a podcasting thing and I'm going to show up in a different way. And so I, but I like that. How am I going to show up? It's a cool perspective. Well, and you're going to show up for your kids in a certain way, True, right? like you just talked about before with, 
And, and I'm very cognizant of that with my kids. When a kid gets hurt, the first thing I do, I don't care if, you know, they're bleeding all over, whatever. I'm going to pick them up and hold them tight and just hold them. I may not even say anything. Just, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you so much. I love you so much. You know, just hold that kid. And then we'll get to the bandaging if that's necessary or whatever. And again, as you mentioned, a lot of times it isn't. What they need in that moment is to feel differently than the way that they're feeling when they come running to you. They yeah. need to feel safe, you know. So the focus is on that. Uh, I, you and, know, and that's just, the way that just pulling that out, I, I become more aware of that with my youngest, um, who is, you know, she's got it. She has a different story than the rest. And that when she gets hurt, uh, for some reason she feels guilty or, or like shame. She yeah. doesn't want to. And so we, that was a, that, that woke me up to it even more of the re, of the, the need to be, to be. Yeah. 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 I feel you on that. Sarah's similar in that regard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things just to, to point to something that humble said in, in the podcast um, is that it, it, you know, love is not a, an accomplishment. It's a way to live. Uh, and I thought I, I, I did. I, yeah, I, I think I was. I shouted yes. I, pull, <laughs> I, well, I pulled that I out. That. I pulled that quote out. Yeah, I talked to him about yeah. it because I thought, huh, that's. Can, can can I ask you something? The way about of that? being. A, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Because and this was an, another point that I wanted to pull out. It's really interesting. As I get the bestseller list in my category, which is New York times is advice, how to, and miscellaneous. That's where atomic habits is yeah. uh, subtle art of not giving an F, whatever. Some of these ones that have been, you know, consistent bestsellers, one of the best-selling books in that category of, I was gonna say all time, but of the past two decades or whatever is Gary Chapman's love languages, the five love languages. Yeah. I mean, people obviously love that thing that has endured and endured and endured. And I, I kind of, I'm a fan of it. And yet as we're talking here, I pulled it up and I'm going, huh, just be love, right? Not just do love. And yet all the five love languages are doings words of affirmation. I'm familiar with yeah. the discussion. They're, they're I mean, words of affirmation. So I, I do, or I want words of affirmation acts of service, which is a big one for me. You know, I, that's how I love people acts of service. I can do that all day. Don't ask me for words of affirmation. It's not my gig. You know, so and I love people the way that I want to be loved. So acts of service, but it's a doing that, that's per- perfect for that you know, category. Receiving gifts. That's a doing quality time. That's a doing and physical touch. They're all doings. So our five love languages, our culture is buying this book by the billions. Uh, it, they're all doings. I hadn't thought about it. I have <laughs> this regard and this discussion has actually come up. Before. That's your next book, um, five new love languages and they're all beings. How's that? Well, what maybe we could have, you know, maybe the, it could have better been titled the five relationship languages. If you're in a relationship with someone and, and you, True. you want to uh, enhance and, and, and elevate that relationship those are great paths and they are i mean and it's important to know which um relationship enhancement is desired by your partner um and and i recognize you know and been in relationships where love languages just to use the term there have been very different um and i you know i talk a lot about in our brand identity work and whatever about language and cultivate you have another client i'm working on now they're trying to do something in a specific space but they don't want to use the words that have always been used in that space i said well 
you know, we're here to create a new language for you in a way that you speak that will resonate with the people that you're speaking to. Um, it's the same in, you know, in a spousal kind of relation, marriage relationship that, you know, you want to speak a language that that resonates with your spouse. And that that sometimes is verbally and sometimes is through action and so on. That is meaningful and important for uh, for a beautiful, thriving relationship. I don't see that as being love. It is not the essence of love or, or being love. Um, Dude, Gary Chapman's a big guy. He's going to send his SWAT team after you. Uh, you bet. <laughs> but I, I, I agree. And I wonder if this is another one of those primary languages that's infiltrated our errant view of love. And that's what Humble brought out, that we as a culture – seem to have this romanticized view. And as you're sitting there talking, I'm thinking about, yeah, the book could have, uh, you know, I like yours, the relationship languages, but almost looking at them as, could we look at those things as gifts of a relationship? Sure. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, so if I'm full of love for myself, I feel love unto myself or for those from a spiritual context, you know, from, from God, however you want to do it, but you, you're full in and of yourself, which is, is what humbles drawing us to. And we're, we're agreeing with the word love. I don't need your love to make me whole. So, but I'm going to come into relationship with you because there's things I want to experience love through you. I love how he put that, that I experience aspects of love through right. you. And man, I really, I, I do receive, so it's a gift when you do an act of service for me. Thank you for doing that. You don't have to, I'm not reliant on it, but it is a, something that it speaks to me and, and maybe quality time or physical touch doesn't, you know, what that, that's cool, but those are gifts. There's an important thread here. Okay. Okay. So we talked about your, cycling and in your pro cycling career and, and, and all that and your journey more specifically on the about page where you wrote everything out there you know that that articulated the, your journey what i hope is that people can read that and not need to relate it to cycling or or whatever specifics happened along the way in your journey but rather to be able to see what was meaningful in that journey to you, because it is going to affect the way that you show up in the world um, for yourself and for others in specific situations and so on. Um, when we talk about love in a relationship, if this is, this is where nuance comes in and nuance is important. <laughs> um, if I am saying for, you know, a partner or whatever, it's saying like, I recognize that something important to you is this, you know, whether it be uh, uh, validation or, or, or um, service or, or whatever it is, um, affirmation, you know, those kind of words and things like that. It's not necessarily the, the act of doing it and whether or not I even do it well. It's the intention behind it. It's the thoughtfulness of, of kind of sifting around to see, can I figure out what it is that, that moves her the most, that, that makes her feel most love. Right. And, th and that for her to know that I pay attention to that, that I not only pay attention to it, but then I, I give an effort to try. It's not that it's not the performance of whether or not I did it well, or, or to relate it to, you know, sports to whether or not I won. It's how I showed up when I did it. You could you could kind of move that over into the sports realm and say like, did you have fun? Like we talked about before, 
board? Did yeah. you enjoy it? Did it make you happier? Did it make you feel like a better person? Did it make you, yeah. did it have some meaning in your life beyond whatever? Um, that's the important part about it. It's not the performance about whether or not I won or not. It's not the performance about whether or not I earned enough points with my spouse or not. You know, it's, it's not. So those love languages that Chapman's talking about, it's not just um, like, did you get the love language right? Did you, did you do that thing, that number four love language right enough? It's, it's the thoughtfulness behind recognizing that it is their love language and that you give attention to it. That's the being part. Uh, I mean, well, I and, go on, but I think no, that's, I, that, I, that's the way of being. I appreciate that. And I want us, all of us to, to, to look deeper into those things. So here's the love languages. But I sometimes wonder if instead of knowing what our language is and trying to have those in relationship with us speak that language, that we would do better off just to understand the languages so that we can detect when someone is trying to give us love, even if it's not the one that we care about a whole lot. Again, I'm so I've got you know, nine kids, my love language, a primary one is, is, is acts of service and quality time. When you give me your attention. Um, and so what do I do with them? I tend to love others as I want to be loved. So I tend to do it. So I may give acts of service to one kid who just doesn't care. It's not theirs. They like physical. I've got one. He, he's, uh, so affectionate, physical touch. And, um, you know, words of affirmation are probably more his. And so mm-hmm. he probably doesn't feel from me. Uh, you know, doesn't, I don't, the language doesn't come across as clear to him as another kid who likes acts of service, man, I knock it out of the park with them. But can my kid understand that daddy's trying to love me anyways, he's trying to do it. He's doing it in his way. I, mean, we, I think we all have experienced that with parents, with a spouse, with whatever, um, you know, guys are probably stereotypically the dad who does stuff, you know, He's not fixed stuff. He's we fixed stuff. Yeah. He's not touchy feely. He's not going to give you, you know, feely words and, and whatever mom will do that. She'll touch you emotionally, but dad, you know, he'll, he'll build you a house or, you know, fix your car or or whatever. And trying to, or trying to notice that, 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 that person's there. Can I, the the intent is, as you talked about, the intent is there. They are striving to care for me. It may not be in the way that most touches me, is that fair? Yeah, and I think we we have to continually kind of watch getting on the performance horse here and and recognizing that once again it comes back to you know loving yourself. Yeah. And I feel like if you're like we all want to feel loved from others for sure. Uh, And I, you know, I had times in my life where I struggled with that very much and not feeling loved from others all the while, completely blind to the fact that I, I had no love for myself and therefore could not feel love from others. It wasn't that they weren't giving it. I wasn't able to receive it because I, I wasn't in the receiving mode. Yeah. And, I, and it wasn't until, you know, later on in life that I realized that I cannot give abundantly that which is not overflowing from me, you know? And, and I, I, I thought, 
wow, I like I, I'm trying to give from an empty well here. There's probably some beautiful Jewish saying about that that I don't know, but um, I I that concept that I'm not giving, and, and there is a Jewish discussion about you know give from an overflowing cup or whatever. Um, I think Dad's talked about that with us before. And I loved. I studied Jewish mysticism a lot, and, and just the the beautiful um, sort of fabric of the of the that Jewish culture. Um, I that was a new concept to me in my probably late thirties or or so, early forties, and uh, just recognizing that I had a duty in my in my desire to serve others. If I didn't love myself well, no matter what I did, no matter how hard I served others, I still wasn't going to show up the best that I could because I wasn't first loving myself. So I didn't know how to love others until I could learn to love myself. Can we dig in there? That was the third thing that I wanted to dig into. Sure. Because as we keep saying this, it comes up so often that you can't you know, say it, you can say it different ways. Can't love others beyond the love that you have for yourself. I really, we can nod, give that head knowledge. I think inherently we don't believe that. You're totally right. I didn't for a long time. I went into that one kicking and screaming. <laughs> well, but you said a couple things as we've talked and you've said not loving ourselves or our, 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 the extent of love for ourselves affects our ability to love others. You just a second ago said we can't give abundantly from a well. So let's say, let's just go the extremes. Somebody who just, they can't stand themselves. They loathe themselves, whatever. And yet they got a heart of gold and they are out serving. They are loving other people. I think that's where we have a play with that with me. Cause there's a disconnect there. Cause there's somebody going, no, I, I freaking hate myself. And I am over here serving others. I would say, oh, so can they serve others beyond the love for themselves? Probably so. So maybe we need to. to you can, yeah. That's be, the that's the okay. Uh, that's the difficulty. That's the big challenge because we end up sort of fooling ourselves. I was in the Congo and Rwanda saving women from sex slavery and and uh, and, and getting their kids into school. And, and I adopted a kid and I was doing all the things and I loathed myself. So can, can I be a great servant, you know, a servant leader? And, and, you know, can I do all that stuff and, and show love in essence to, to others well, while I'm not loving myself? Well, you sure ju- I did, but you just said a bunch of doing stuff. I was doing this for yeah. them. I was doing this. And that now, so now you've got me wondering, okay, maybe, is that part of it that we can be in a place of self-loathing and we can do for others. We can be in that crappy place. Yeah. We can be, we can be in a crappy place and do for others, but can we be in a crappy place and be for others? Maybe that's the cutoff. Sure. I think that's a reasonable delineation. If, yes. I, if I can't be at peace with myself, if I don't have love for myself, I can do stuff for you. It's not a, not a big issue, but can I sit there and really be there for you emotionally can I be there in peace and joy and, and an abiding love for you in a being standpoint? Maybe that's what's hard to do if we don't have it within ourselves. But I can do stuff for you, man. I can feed it a soup kitchen, sure. feed the homeless, build somebody a house. I can sit there and do. You know, what really tuned me into this discussion originally 
was that I recognized what I wanted to do is I, I wanted to be someone, not do, but be someone that made others feel at peace, that made others feel loved just by my general presence, not by my doing. I'm not sure where that came into play. I think it was probably while I was reading a bunch of Rob Bell at the mm. time in, Ro in Rwanda. Um, and, you know, and I'm speaking largely specifically about my relationship with Ilea and thinking that I, I didn't. It became abundantly clear that she did not feel safe and at peace with me and in, in my presence. Yet I'm out here saving the day and right. all of my doing. Right. But I would come home with this intensity and the and sort of the internal rage of what I witnessed in the on the daily, you know, politically and and from people that were doing horrific things to other humans. And I was in the mix of that every day, and I brought that energy home. And all the while, having no idea how to love myself in the process. And recognizing that while I was doing all of these wonderful things, the one thing I cared about the most, which was how my spouse felt about me, I, I was not... I wasn't showing up. I wasn't because I, I didn't know how to do it. I know I'm smiling because I it's I've played with this concept for for so long with men specifically of you know would you, would you die for your wife? You could hear the yeah. Okay. Would you emotionally connect with your wife? No. <laughs> it's yeah. that's a different ball game, man. And what's, and what's the wife want? <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. I can I just yeah. build you? Can I just build you something? Buy you a car? Do you know whatever? Yeah. Uh, but not because that first came to mind with me of of change. You know, can can you? When you die for your wife, yeah, would you change for her? I came up from a friend who was dealing with some health problems and his wife, what she most wanted was that he would just take care of himself so he doesn't die or, you know, have dementia or whatever. He'd just take care of himself. And he's thinking, and he started grappling with that and go, man, I say I would die for my wife, but would I change for her? Would I do the stuff that really matters to her? And um, I'm really stepping on, on my toes here so we can leave that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I know well, obviously we're brothers. We talk yeah, about yeah. our stories and, yeah. and I think we've had some similarities there and we have, we were, we were addicted to doing, to being Superman. I mean, when you talking about the kids and that's still part of my journey now, you know, so it's holidays, all the kids, the past couple weekends and this weekend, again, almost all the kids are going to be home. And I would spend my time trying to love, trying to be Superman. And I'm looking for the needs, man. Somebody just breathes a, a hint of a need oh, or man. a problem or what? Yeah. I need her problem and I'm going. And now I, I'll fix it. I'll I, drop yes. what I'm doing. I'll fix it. What I'll, is it? <laughs> I, I won't even, I will, I'll yeah. just hear it and I'll just go do it. I won't ask. I won't tell them. I won't ever. They'll just come out and everything's fixed. And I, you know, in our genes. <laughs> yes, I know. And here, so now I'm trying to do, it's an exercise to I'll hear stuff. And, and it's so difficult because I kind of feel like a jerk. Cause I, I hear the need, yeah. but they didn't ask. And, and for one, I've found I've helped enable or uh i've helped equip my kids to do a lot more by not trying to take care of everything for them um, so often it's not what they needed was for us to fix the thing yeah that was what we that was what was easy for us i found out through one of my girls eliza i, I sometimes just make her feel guilty hmm. um for not for the guilty that i just did it guilty that like she wasn't a grown-up and so now she'll tell me sometimes dad don't 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 do it don't take care of it for me i need to take care of it for myself 
Um, but I'll sit there and, and just as a practice go, I'm there if they want me to do something and they'll ask if they need me to right now, they're just talking and sharing something. They're going to take care of it and chill out, Kevin. I wish one of my kids or, or, or or whatever at the time would have just said, Hey, stop trying to be enough and just be with me. Yeah. That's stop trying to do the thing that's easy for you to do so that you can check it off your list and feel like you were enough today. Like that's what was going on. And I mean, I, and I still have to watch it today. Uh, I'm so quick to be like, Oh, I'll, I'll fix the thing. What do you need? I'll, I'll stop. I'll be the hero right now. You know, so that I can feel good for 13 seconds and then go back to the feeling the way that I was before. Trying right after that. We're, we're back to humble's thing of earning it instead of just. Yeah. And yet look at my kids. Not what do your kids have to do to earn your love? Nothing. Nothing. Why can't I conceive? I mean, it, it's easy to, to look at that too from. A, what, do, what do you have to do to earn your own love? I, uh-huh. you know, that's the big question. I, what do I have to do to earn my own love? And I'm just like, well. Unfortunately, I've had a big list. <laughs> I shouldn't. <laughs> Jared, so a guy asked me that yesterday. So this oh, group wow. of people I keep talking about, and he said it. I don't have my notes in front of me quick enough to pull it up. But he said, in essence, yeah, what is it that I have to do to impress myself even, to be okay with myself? And I need to look at that question every morning so that I can conceptualize it and answer nothing. Nothing. I, I am enough. Again, chill out, Kevin. And B, just be love, not just do love. I need that yeah, t-shirt. We need to, I, you can get the, give me that for Christmas. All right. Um, I, I just, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I feel like one of the, it, the journey of loving myself has, has been one of first recognizing what we're talking about now in, in all the things we've just discussed. I won't recap, but, uh, the second part, though, that I realized once I'm like, all right, cool, I get it. I'm, I'm willing to love myself, to be enough to love myself, to feel that like I do with my children. And then I thought, I've got no clue how to do that. I've never done this before. <laughs> I'm totally out of, out of my element. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what does it look like to love myself? All the while recognizing intellectually at this point that the journey of me learning what it looks like to show up for myself like I would for my daughter or my sons or whatever, like what that journey is the doing that I need to do. not going and fixing everything in their world yeah. or or trying to save enough, you know, folks to be enough for my wife, you know, or, or to feel loved or whatever. Like I, I, that, that's the part of it. It's that part of the journey of saying like the, you know, we talk about doing the work, we got to do the work, we got to do the work again with the doing. But I feel like you know, it, it, you know, you, you said something earlier about mastery and the importance of, of like wanting one of your kids to master something or whatever. I do, too. Not because I care at all about what they master. I care about the process yes. of mastering something because it takes you on a journey that unveils things to you that you would not access otherwise unless you were on that journey of mastery. 
it, it, it's because you care so much. And and I think a lot on any journey of mastery, you're also going to find some element of like, oh, I, there's a letting go that I need to do. You and I talk about the importance of letting go all the time. I, I'm uh, this topic, brother. I'm I'm I wrote down a book title um, a, about a week ago, and it came from me being on a solo mountain bike ride for my birthday out at one of my favorite places. And I was just, it was euphoric. It was just, everything was perfect. And I was sitting there in mastery that benefited nobody tangibly other than me. It was just for me. It's I'm not winning a race. I'm not getting kudos. Nobody's looking at my time, whatever. I'm just out there having fun. And it just filled me up. And I was so grateful for the mastery to be able to do it and to be able to do it and be in flow bottom line, you know, Stephen Kotler being to be in flow. And I thought, man, I want my, I want that for my kids. I want them. And just as you said, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm affirming what you just said of having mastery for what it will do for them, for their being, aside from the fact that it does open up opportunity. You know, if you master something, there's usually opportunities out there and that's awesome. I'd love them. Sure. I love them to work and find a vocation in that. So they get to do what they enjoy. So that's another, we had a show coming up about that, but uh, what you just said, uh, what it does, the process of what it does for them. Yeah. Yeah. Now think about this to, to extrapolate from there. You are in the feeling of flow. Yeah. The awe, the wonder, the joy, I was the in happiness. A, some deep Every, flow. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels amazing. I know mm-hmm. that feeling. Uh, to be in that flow state. Again, you know, Michael Jordan, we think about like when he was in that flow state, it's like nobody else was in the room. He was just owning it. <laughs> and he was happy doing that. You know, I I feel like when I am in those moments of elation <laughs> and flow. I have had the, you know, uh, I think the gift maybe of of cognizance in that time of recognizing, oh, wow, how wonderful will this effect be on my children because daddy's in a flow state right now. And thinking like, I'm loving myself right now and a ripple effect from that, not the purpose, but the ripple from that is that my children have a dad that feels love, that feels flow, that feels joy, that feels the awe and the wonder around him. And if I think about what is the best way to influence my children to have that same sort of experience, it is most likely for me to live it, (laughs) not to teach it, but to live it. And that's where I, from what you said a minute ago, that's where I was going instead of me getting up and doing something for them, can I maybe do something for myself so that I can come to them and be and fully be? Cause I have kids old enough who are stoked when I go away and have a two, three, whatever days of adventure. Cause they know it, man, it inspires me and I come back yeah. inspired and they want an inspired, joyful, peaceful dad more than they want me to fix their car. hundred percent. Yeah, just, I go out on my little journeys and, and my kids know that I'm going out on a journey to kind of find myself, you know, and <laughs> I go deep on those journeys and I'm often by myself and whatever. And, and they, when I come back and they're like, daddy, you know, what, what happened along the way? Like, what did you feel? What did you see? What, you know, all the things. And, and they live through that. Like, like they feel the feels from that, that I felt I'm able to convey those feelings. If I don't have those feelings, I can't convey them to my children. I have to make it up and that doesn't work. And this is, and I, you know, 
I mean, we're getting in, we can go down some deep holes here, but just if you want to look at it from a spiritual standpoint, your spiritual aura, aura, your, 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 your cellular energy, whatever. But if we, I mean, there's, there's tests that, you know, have been done with cells that here I am and take some cellular material from me and put it in a Petri dish in the next room and something that happens to me here in the flesh in my cells respond. You can get, I mean, this this is scientific stuff. This isn't even woo woo. This is just scientific. If that, you know, exists in my, again, my cellular energy, I mean that my, again, call it aura, call it whatever, uh, whatever you can, you can make peace with. Um, if that exists, if I am sitting here in Mm self-loathing devoid of self-love, and all that goes along with that, all the negative emotional list that Brene Brown would help us, uh, you know, verbalize. My kids feel that. Whoever's next to me feels that. I think you would feel that. I mean, I think we feel that face to face, even though we're fifteen hundred miles apart. I mean that it that it flows. And again, we just don't think about this. We think about back to what we do not what we be. And if what we be is what is going to affect the people around me that I love more so than what I do, man, we've just, we got to do a 180. Um, yeah. And, and I think we, a lot of times we just chalk that up to be in some woo woo talk or whatever, but I was like, it's quantum physics. That's it's, quite, I was, it's not yeah, a joke. <laughs> I was going to say that's in a Petri dish amongst the non-spiritual people that have just said, it just is. Yeah. And, and that is, man, I think about, the people in my life and, and largely women in my life that I'm blessed to be around um, and how they tune into the energy of things to such a degree. And I can walk in and be like, oh, I'm high on life. I'm blah, everything's going well. They're like, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm like, how on earth did you know that? I didn't know that. But now that you've prodded and, and pride a little bit, I recognize there there's something going on here energetically that I, I wasn't even allowing myself to tune into. Dude, it's Lynn Twist. Uh, so right. that was the first show we did together. And we're, yeah. you know, we weren't even talking on this level. But at some point, I think it was in my values show, my second part two, the values, motives and habits show. And she's just talking about relationships maybe maybe we were on that topic and she made the statement uh and she just kind of went on and, and i came back to it. i was like whoa, whoa 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 about our mood leading right i remember that the yeah. four of us yeah and i brought wait a minute you use mood most people would say your attitude your whatever she says no i think it's your mood can even exceed your attitude and people know what your mood is a mile away. When you come in the room, get on the phone, whenever they hear you. And that stuck with me so much. What is my, so call it again, your energy or whatever, if you wanted to say your mood. And if you have self-loathing, lack of love inside of you, that mood cannot be hidden. Yeah. It's dramatically convicting that, man, I got to get my stuff together. I have friends, close, close friends that, um, how should I say, they, they, that hold space for others in, um, you know, some of these retreat center kind of things or whatever, where the people are coming for healing, uh, that they're coming there to be healed of something. Uh, and these uh, friends of mine, that, that they, and, and I'm cognizant of this on my own now too, but 
they say, you know, I'm there to hold space for someone to heal. I can't go into that space if I'm all jacked up energetically and I'm self-loathing or, you know, I'm, I'm not clear in my energy. Yeah. Um, so they, the work that they're doing is to be sure that they are a clean vessel to facilitate healing for someone else. And I think, wow, how much does that, can I take that and put it all in, into just my normal day-to-day life with how I show up for other people? And recognizing I want to be a clean vessel. I want to have, uh, again, I feel like if I'm loving myself deeply, if I'm loving myself in the way that I love my children, you know, if I'm loving myself with that kind of uh, depth and um, non-judgment and all that, then I have to imagine, and I've certainly experienced it now, that I'm able to love others so much more effectively. Like they're able to feel it from me and it's not for me doing anything. It's literally from just my presence. That to me is being love. That's how we show up. And that's how, that's how uh, I think that is sort of the example, the exemplification of love being a a way of being rather than anything less than that. Well, maybe there's where we end. You use the word healing and I'm back to that perspective. We talked about if I am in a place devoid of love for myself, broken, whatever you want to call it. Not, I mean, none of us can be perfect, but you know, I I'm, I'm sorely lacking in love for myself. I can help people, help my kids, help people I can do, but can I heal them? Can I be there for the emotional healing when my kids is emotionally distraught? Can I be to what you said? If I'm, you said a clean vessel, man, if I'm an error, or you could probably say clean and and a fairly full vessel. If I am empty, dirty, whatever, right. To what extent can I heal, help heal? And can I be there? Probably not. I can help. And, and, and again, not to diminish that. So if you're in a crappy place and you're helping people, God bless you for, you know, still being able to do what you can. It's awesome. Yeah. There's back to what you said. It's, but there's, there's probably, there's more abundance if the well's fuller, I think is what you said. Maybe there's, yeah. I mean, can can we help from a practical sense? Can we practically help someone? Sure. Are, are we being a conduit for healing and connection? That's different. And that requires a clean, full, I like that you added that too, a, a clean, full vessel um, of love. That's what I want to be. That's how I want to show up. Let the mic drop right there. Boom. <laughs> well, hey, this is a big topic, a big issue to think on as you consider how you have been trying to love people, doing for them instead of connecting and possibly running yourself ragged in the process. I always promote the books and resources from my guests, but Humble, his new book, How to Be Loved, is significant in helping you discern what you are doing and what you may look to change as you desire to love and connect with others more and feel more love yourself. And again, you can find Humble's book anywhere. You can also uh, connect with him at HumbleThePoet.com. And as I said before, you can connect with my brother who co-hosted with me here today, Jared, at Jared, J-A-R-E-D. Angaza, A-N-G-A-Z-A dot com. If you've seen my new branding, you may want to connect with him to help architect your branding, positioning, and personal or company culture. 
Hey, thank you again for choosing to tune into this self-helpful podcast. Again, if you got value, it'd be great if you left a review. Um, Best thing, talk about what you heard today with someone else. Grapple with it. Discuss it. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others. Mm